Hey man, it's Christmas. It is. Do you, do you know how I know that? <laughs> how? Because I just was using my VLC player before and it's got a little Christmas hat on got it. A little, got a little hat on? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God they told me because that would have been really embarrassing. Now you know. <laughs> it, it, it is Christmas and it's also going to be the last episode of the year for ADR. How, 29? 29. 29. Wow, just off 30. I know. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we really wanted to get to episode 30 this year, of course, because it's a nice, sweet, round number. But the fates decided that that was not going to be possible to publish one before the end of the year. So, what we've done is we've, we've kind of arranged a bit of a fun show to have, but we're going to do that to kick off 2016 instead. Yep. And I, th- I think it's also a bit of a chance for us to kind of rethink um, the format, you know, e- everything. I think is it, we've learned so much in this 30 or 29, sorry. Um, and, you know, I can't believe we did that many in a year. That's, I mean, that's, that's one every two weeks. So, yeah, it's um, a, lot, a lot more than I thought we would get, we would get through, uh, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just kind of spiraled out of control. And of course, there's so many more people that we really want to, we really want to get in touch with, um, lots of people that couldn't do it this year, um, that we're looking forward to catching up with next year as well. We've still got that list. It doesn't seem to be getting any smaller. It seems to it just doesn't. keep expanding. It does. It does. It just, and, and I think, I think because the industry, I feel like this year, the industry, uh, evolved and changed so much more than, than it has done in previous years. And, and with that sort of new, new people are kind of go into the sort of limelight, into the, into the spotlight to, um, that are doing amazing stuff, especially in the sort of digital area or in the UX areas. Uh, and so, yeah, you're right. The list just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I think there's always been lots of people out there doing interesting stuff in Australia and, um, we're becoming more connected, I think. And yep. the, the lines are blurring a lot. And I think a lot of people that otherwise may have been in, you know, quote unquote, a different kind of industry, we're all working together a little bit more collaboratively and having an appreciation for what other people do. So it seems like the industry has really taken some pretty big leaps this year, I would say. Mm, I think so. Which is good for all of us. Should we mm. get stuck into the episode? Yes. Before I forget, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you to our listeners, those of you who have listened to every episode and, and those of you who have picked and choose. Thank you so much for taking this crazy ride with us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Ever, ever, actually, ever since we started, it's always been about trying to maintain good quality rather than getting kind of new people. So if you do have any feedback, we, we would love to hear it. Um, if, you, if you decided that at episode 29 you had our guts, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can let us know too. That can be our Christmas present. Um, but if there is anything, yeah, any feedback, now's a great time. You guys feel like you are... Uh, you want to help shape the show? Please let us know. Let's get so, stuck into it, yeah? Let's do it. Welcome to episode 29 of Australian Design Radio, the final episode for 2015, to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy, and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hi there. How you going? Good. So this episode uh, was a bit of a weird one for us, I guess. Someone that we've been meaning to talk to for a while, but uh, have never really found the right... Um, Angle, I guess. It was obviously David Turon. Excuse. Who, yeah. Who, who is um, who's the founder of DT and obviously the chairman of Tractor, who we both work for. Um, so it was always this kind of like, oh, how, how do you interview a boss-like figure sort of thing? Mm. But he was amazing. Um, you know, he, he said very early on, you can ask me absolutely anything, uh, which kind of left us in a funny position because – 
you know, if, <laughs> if, if you can ask anything, like where, where, where do you start? So, mm. um, and I think, um, you know, the thing about DT is what he does out of work is, is almost as interesting as what he does in work. Um, because he has more than anyone I know, um, such an interest in new technology, um, and, and kind of new gadgets. And he's always kind of coming in and, and saying, Oh, check this out. And, you know, I often, I don't even know what those things do, but they, he's, he's like, this is going to be big. This is going to be, you know, so he's, he's always looking into the future. Yeah, he's always on the cusp of change. It's, it, yeah. it would certainly seem probably more so than anyone else I know. Yeah. So, so we went there, we asked him all, all those sort of questions um, and really sort of dug down into, uh, you know, what, what he thinks might be the next thing. It's an interesting time for him. He is, um, you know, stepping away from the kind of day-to-day. He's still in advisory roles for all the businesses he's involved in, um, but he, they're actually moving to Byron Bay and, and he's going to apparently just sit on the beach. Yeah, but- which he's obviously not going to do. Um, no. and we, we kind of get stuck into talking about exactly what kind of new project he hasn't even made it there yet. And he's, yeah. already, and he's, already, <laughs> he's already made himself really busy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I hope you, I really enjoyed this one. Um, so I hope everyone else does as well. Yeah, I'm sure you will. We are recording. So David, thanks for coming along. Pleasure. Um, so we probably should do full disclosure, actually. Right, you're right. Um, yep. Because we actually work for you, so I think I think everyone knows. And so this is the first time you've you've been on. I think I actually work for you guys these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of true. But it's, so I mean, this is probably a good chance to bring up. You know, it's an end of the year bonuses. Stuff like, yeah, bonuses and and yep. raises and <laughs> and and obviously you're, you're like, not putting any pressure on you, but any uh, ANSI make might affect how this discussion goes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, all, all I can do these days is be nice to Simon on your behalf. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, so David Trewern, so the DT of DT Digital, now now DT, obviously a business that you, you grew and, and have sold. You're still the chairman there, also the chairman of Tractor, so full disclosure, we you are our boss no matter what you say. Um, how do you respond to um, a comment that someone made about you being the James Bond of the design industry? Oh, you know what? I've always wanted to be James Bond. <laughs> well, I've never heard that before, but I, I, I actually heard... Well, I heard Batman. So Batman, someone, someone told cool. me Batman. Yeah. So which would you prefer? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think James Bond over Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Batman's not too good with the ladies compared to James Bond. So. <laughs> That's true. And he doesn't talk very much. And he wears his underpants over his clothes as well, which, <laughs> well, I, don't, which I don't is really always, like. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he he makes it work though. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, hey, you know, <laughs> we we can all have aspirations, and you know, so. So I mean, but how how does that make you feel like when? Well, I've never heard that before. Oh, you've yeah, never heard that, right? Oh, that's so. cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I guess it comes spread, from spread that around then. <laughs> and I, I guess it comes from well, I I'm assuming it comes from um you you know you love new tech sort of thing. You're you're always um getting into the latest stuff. You're you know, kite surfing, drone flying, that that kind of stuff. And then obviously, you know, you went, you know, we've interviewed quite a few people mm-hmm. um, and of very successful businesses, but it's rare that we hear of someone who just sort of hangs out with Richard Branson on his, like, private island. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a joke. You did go hang out with yes, Richard I Branson. Yes, I was there earlier this year, which was, which was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Can you talk about that? Are yeah, you, yeah. Or did totally. you have to sign... No, I can talk about. I had to sign stuff, but I can still talk about. It. <laughs> so, what was that like? Tell us about it. 
Oh, it was great. Look, I got invited to go uh, by a friend of mine who'd been invited to go properly. I was a bit of a ring-in. Um, <laughs> plus one. Yeah, I was his plus one. Seriously, we shared a room together. We had our, our beds were about 20 centimetres apart. There were lots of jokes <laughs> made about that over the... No, but, but we had it. So, he was invited to go. He's involved in a charity. Um, and I went I went with him. Um, and it was great. So, there were probably 20, 25 guests from all over the world, a lot from Australia, people that are involved in social change and social change movements and charities and things. Um, they have these events a couple of times a year. So, Richard lives on the island um, permanently. with uh, His family are, are there as well uh, most of the time. And he, he only likes to leave NECA for no more than sort of three or four days at a time to go and do various engagements. So that's where he lives. Right. And right. Um, he's got, a you know, 100-odd 100, 100 staff there. Um, and it's it's a big island and he's got lots of... He's repopulated the island with natural... The wildlife that was there. So there's kind of... Um, there's... Uh, like Madagascan lemurs and lemurs, oh, wow. lemurs running around everywhere. There's um, <laughs> tortoises that are like those Galapagos tortoises, uh, flamingos flying it around. It is Dr. No. It really, it really <laughs> is, you know, and he's built this incredible house and there's actually a couple of islands now, so he spends most of his time living on the other island, at Mosquito Island, and um, and just across the way, um, you can just, you're looking across at a, a third island, which is, uh, I think it's, Larry Page has got a house on that island. Right. Yeah, I was kite surfing across there trying to check it out. Right. Um, <laughs> and I heard a rumor, I don't know if this is true, that anyway, that Zuckerberg's in the, in the, in the neighborhood as well. So, so it's a pretty... So, what he, so I think um, Richard now devotes uh, pretty much all of his time to, to kind of making the world better and, mm. and, and, and coming up with ideas to, to do good things, whether it's changing the workplace or environment, whatever it might be. So he invites groups of people there to sort of talk about this stuff because that's what he wants to do is talk about how can we do cool stuff. So mm. so this is, a, this is a thing that we, we paid to go to, but the money was donated to charity. Um, and yeah, it was four days there. And we, we had some really amazing speakers. So, um, Brett, Brett A. Brown, that some of you guys might have heard of, mm. look her up on TED. She talk, does these incredible talks. She's written a book, um, and she's a researcher talking about vulnerability, but she, incredible TED Talks, really worth checking out. Mm. Um, uh, Aloe Black, um, who's a musician. So... Mm, yeah. um, I need a dollar. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that was one of the, the best selling songs of last year. So he was there as our entertainment. But, you know, we're having breakfast wow. with him and hanging out and going <laughs> on the Hopi Cat with him. And, you know, so it was really cool. So we had some really great speakers. Um, so it was just a really, it was a really, ins- it was the most incredible, inspiring time yeah. because everybody there, that w- all the guests were very open and excited to be there. And we're just having these conversations with these incredible speakers. We had the um, founder of Change.org there mm. um, and four or five other speakers of that kind of calibre. I won't go through them all, but um, just having great conversations for four days around, um, you know. That's mental. What, what an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was sitting next to Richard at lunch one day and th- you're thinking, what am I going to talk to him about? You know, I don't know what to talk to him about. <laughs> Fortunately for me, he's riding a kite surfing as well, so we're talking about that a bit. Um, and I paddleboarded around the island with him as well and had a bit of a chat, but... Um, he just turned to me and said, so if you, ha- if you could live forever, this is his first thing he said to me, if you could live forever, would you choose to do that? Or would you think it's better to create space for the mm. next generation? It's wow. Like, wow, that's a pretty heavy question. Because he said, there were some people here two weeks ago and they were basically, they were telling me that the technology is not far away where you can live forever if you want to. Wow. So I've kind of been thinking about it, like would you actually want to do it or not? You know, so, so it was just lots of heavy conversations like that on this incredible island. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool. I'm just going back to Highlander. They had to, they live forever, but they yeah. had to cut their heads off. Colin anyway. McLeod, <laughs> the clan McLeod. Yes. Yeah. No, look, so it was great. I was very lucky to be there, and um, 
and I'm now getting involved with the charity that I went to NECA with, um, which I'm excited about too. What was the charity? The charity is called Igniting Change, Yeah, uh, which is based in Melbourne, um, run by uh, a fantastic woman called Jane Tucson, and um, they do a whole range of different things. They're, they're the sort of... So Jane originally founded um, Red Nose Day Comic Relief, oh, which is wow. one of the yep. largest charities in the world. Mm. Um, and so she's now doing this, and it's purposely very small, but it supports a whole range of different things. Um, and it's really about connecting together different people to make good things happen. So one of awesome. the things that they support mm. is, um, is prisoners actually getting back into the workforce. So they've okay. done this program where they take entrepreneurs into prisons, and I've done that, and you spend time with the prisoners, wow. and, in, and, and you give them advice a lot of them have got business ideas about they want to start businesses and do things, and a lot of those businesses have then have then come out and and um, found employment with those entrepreneurs or or the companies mm. that are supporting that program. So this is one of the many things that they do. That's amazing. Um, so it's it's really um, really tell cool. Us, so tell yeah. us about that. So you went to prison. Yeah, I went into Port Phillip to... Prison. This is um, probably two years ago, a couple of years ago, wow. and uh, went into one particular unit in there, which is like the youth unit. And yeah, all locked down in there, and we spent um, about eight of us uh, in my group of that I'm involved with, and and yeah, we we spent a, a good hour and a half just having one-on-one chats, you know, in the wherever we happen to be, mm-hmm. uh, with with the prisoners, and some really incredible stories, and you, and you sort of, and this is what Igniting Change is all about, is sort of seeing the people behind the stories. Your, your yeah. initial yeah. Your initial thought is they're prisoners, you know, that's scary, don't want to go near them. But you mm. talk to these guys and I was talking to one particular guy, fantastic guy, and he um, made a bad decision, woke up after a, a party where he'd had too much to drink, drove home, accidentally killed somebody. It's uh, um, heavy. Not only has he got that to deal with, but he's in prison at the age mm. of, you know, in mm. his early 20s. Like manslaughter or um, something. Yeah, yeah, and every, every you know, every life's going along great until that point. Yeah. And um, something that anybody could do, anybody's kids could do. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that, that's a sort of, you know, you're hearing these stories and, and he's, you know, had ideas around when I get out, I want to do this, that and the other. Mm. How do I do that? You know, mm. so it's really... Yeah, you know, one of those just great, you know, connecting together different types of people. And, mm. and NECA was a bit like that too. You know, we had a guy there called Carl Loco who's just incredible. Uh, he's a good friend of Sam Branson's who's Richard's son. And he was a, a gang leader in um, in in London in the, in the Estates. Oh. And um, he'd been, you know, shot at, best friend killed, you know, been running around with a gun the whole time. And and one day he just decided this is a lot of crap. I don't want to do this anymore. And he, walk, he walked over to the other gang uh, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, like, what yeah. are you doing here? And and uh, pulling guns on him and stuff. Hey, I just want to talk to you guys. This, I think this is just stupid what we're doing. I just wanted to stop, you know. And, and eventually he kind of ended up infiltrating that other gang. And now he goes around um, talking about how gangs are like... Um, it's an addiction and you build your whole personality right. and everything. You know, your whole persona is built around your position in this gang but yeah. it's just basically killing people so and he's, he's a poet so he was he was at NECA talking about you know so it's just this whole juxtaposition of different people yeah. um, which you, know, you get these incredible ideas and insights that you'd otherwise never get so for me as someone who's just always thinking of ideas and things like both of those experiences in the prison and at NECA mm. are just like wow it's just yeah. a way to really open your brain up it's, it's wow. incredible yeah so yeah, go on. let's let's take it back to DT, yeah, the business DT. What's I mean, your your history is all out there, so we're not going to go into into depth. But w- what's your position with them now? Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I like to I like to think of myself as the spiritual guide. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so yeah, technically I'm the chairman. It's now 20 years. Uh, 
20 years next year that I started DT. Wow. wow. Um, and, you know, I'm really passionate about that business and, and obviously I've, you know, 20 years, it's a long, it's a long time. And, um, it's funny, it's funny your, your name keeps on coming up because we, obviously we've talked to Tim Kay and a couple of other people. Yeah, and sure. They often talk about those early days. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It's mm. great. And it's still a fantastic business and I love being involved with it. I just I walk in there and the, it's just got so much energy. And it's, mm. just, it's one of my – I just love going in there even though I'm not in there very often. So so I'm the chairman and, and really I suppose that what means is I'm still you know, responsible for the strategic – direction of the business mm-hmm. um, to a large extent but I'm not working in the business day to day I haven't spoken to a client for a long time actually that's a lie I had had dinner with a client two weeks ago which, but that was the first time in a long right. time um, and and so the management team you know Brian who runs CT and the management team I really support them and work for them in terms of help help them mm. when there's a problem or an opportunity I just help them sort of think through and work through what do we do next which I love and it's been a really gradual process for me to kind of let go and mm. and step from being you know, work gradually over the last five years, really go from being in there, you know, working full time, running the business, to working, you know, part time and doing some other things with STW, who now owns S- who now owns DT, to then supporting Brian in there two days a week, to now, um, you know, I catch up with him a few times a month and and talk to him, you know, every other week and and if something big's going on, then I'll sort of get involved and yep. help him kind of work it through. So I'm sort of involved in the repositioning of DT. We're doing some repositioning stuff at the moment and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and sort of thinking about what the next couple of years looks like in terms of new areas of the business. So in, in a funny way, like not being involved in the business day-to-day allows me to do a better job of that because you've sort of got a much better helicopter view of what's going on in the industry and a drone view yeah exactly (laughs) and so i can have input which i think is um a lot easier to have from my position than it is when you're in there you know stuck in the weeds dealing with all the day-to-day issues Mm. yeah so it's it's good i I feel really lucky to be able to stay involved and do that and similar with tractor as well yeah you know yeah so i mean let before we because we want to hear about how that then how you moved into education but how do they, we've had a few people who have businesses who it's their name basically, yeah. and they've talked about how sometimes that can be quite difficult. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and and like, I mean, the reason it was originally called David Troy and Design, right? And that's just because um, a bit un, I'm not very creative as a creative person. <laughs> <laughs> I started I started freelancing, and I thought it was just me. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know, I could call it Blue Widget or pink cow or whatever and I thought <laughs> I thought a lot of the names that design businesses had were just a bit kind of silly yeah. and um, and so I thought yeah well it's just me you know like it's it's me and I've got my view of the world and so it's going to be that so that's how it started and then and then it became DT design and um, and it's funny because um, you know you'd think someone calling a business after themselves has got a massive ego and I suppose everybody does and I probably do as well but <laughs> but but, um, but I really for a long time like I'm talking for 17 of the last 20 years I've been saying guys can we just get my name out of there I yeah. just don't want my name to be there anymore you know right. like it's I feel uncomfortable about it but but it's funny because I had the team at DT saying no 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 we've got to keep it's important you know we can't just change to something else so so it became David Train Design went to DT, DT Design then it went to DT Digital mm-hmm. and then the, the team in there decided just to shorten it to DT um, um, last year or the year before. Um, you got the URL as well. Yeah, I got the URL, which took a long time and cost a little bit of money too, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a cool URL. Yeah. Um, in actual fact, I should be using that as my email address, shouldn't I? But anyway. Um, <laughs> DT, yeah, DT, 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 yeah. DT, yeah. <laughs> but um, good idea. So, 
so yeah, I can't remember what the question was now, but um, yeah, well, just just how that feels. Like, <laughs> well, yes, is there drawbacks? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, it, it was an issue for me for a while, right? Because after about whenever it was, uh, I started the business in '96. I first sold some equity in the business in around 2002, and I sold out completely in 2010. So it took about eight years for me to actually. Um, sell out of the business mm. and that was one of the things is people thinking well who's going to want to you know no one's yeah. going to want to buy my equity when it's named after me and I'm not going to be there and you know so so that can be problematic but at the same time uh, it, it's been a huge asset to the business to to give it a name named after a person mm. um, not because I'm anything special I'm just a person like everybody else but I think people have this assumption that you know, I had a lot of people. You know, this thing that I, I sort of struggle with over the time. Oh, we're getting, to, we're going to meet, we're going to meet the DT from DT. It's right. like, I'm just a guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think people people have this um, expectation and perception that because the business is named after you, that you must have this extra credibility mm. and this extra. Uh, um, the, these these extra powers or something, and and and, and in actual fact, you know, holds you accountable too, right? Because you don't want crap work going out when yep. your name's on it. So it does. It you know it. it you can't really hide when, when the business is named after you. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, I think it definitely helped me a lot because um, in developing that business because all of our competitors, there was no other competitor that was named after a person. You know, So you've literally right. got all of these mm. web companies that have got, that are called Pink Cow and yeah. Blue Elephant or whatever they're called, <laughs> right? Um, I really like Pink Cow's work, actually. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever their name yeah, happens yeah. to be. And, and we were the only one that was kind of named after a person, you know. So I'd go into pitch against Reactive or mm. Visual Jazz or whoever it was. And it's like, oh, David Trawern from DT's coming to the pitch, you know. Yeah. And the client would say, wow, you came to the pitch. It's like, well, because yeah. I came to the pitch, you know. <laughs> so, you'd, so you'd almost get, get this kind of inbuilt extra yeah. attention um, just because my name was on the door, you know, which really actually helped differentiate ourselves as being – a strategic, thoughtful, yeah. you know, responsible, um, you know, long-term business as opposed to a, a bit of a fly-by-night, mm. um, which there are a lot of in, in that industry, yeah. yeah. And I think now is a good time to jump back into get into education, which yeah. is what we've been kind of talking about yeah. the last couple of years. So, so how, did, how did that come about? How did you go from this kind of area of, you know, agency side, running business, being involved with such a big Goliath, like SCW yeah. as yeah. well, yeah. and then seeing the things yeah. in education that you saw were missing? Or? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, what happened was I, I sold the last part of DT in 2007, and I had a three-year earnout, which meant I, I kind of got paid based upon how the business went between 2007 and 2010. So when I got to the end of 2010, I mean, that sort of earnout scenario is a bit like a jail sentence. It's like, you know, it's <laughs> like you're just like literally counting down the days because you, you, you feel like, you know, this is my one chance. I'm never going to get this chance again. Mm, and so right. you're just going so hard. Just to, And so I got to the end of that and I thought, right, now I'm out mm. and I'm having three months off. So you have so, certain quotas that you need to meet in that time. Well, it's just, it's X. more that just whatever, whatever the business does in that period sort of almost gets multiplied in terms yep. of how I get paid for my shares in the business. Right. So you sort of feel like you've got this one chance and you don't want to blow it. <laughs> Which so can three be three year sprint. Yeah, which it's a three year <laughs> sprint. Exhausting. And it can be counterproductive. I found that it's funny because the sort of like sometimes the harder you try in business like that, yeah. the worse things get. Yeah. And then I just started actually turning up to work late for the first time ever and, you know, going to MSAC for a swim every lunchtime and things started improving. It's like, hey, you know, there's a lesson in this. You know, you just yeah. you don't want to try too hard sometimes. But anyway, so what happened was you know, and, and I think my motivation for selling the business was really I just wanted three months off. Mm. <laughs> like I just wanted three months off and that was it after after so long. So I took three months off and I said to um, 
Brian, who was running the business, look, I'm going, I'm going on a holiday for three months. I pretty much don't exist. I'm going to be in Europe with the family. Um, you're in charge. And when I get back, if it's all gone pear-shaped, I'll have my job back. And, <laughs> and uh, if it hasn't, then you can have my job. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how it worked. And so I, I, I came back and I thought, okay, well, it's all going okay. So what am I going to do now? So, um, and I was really itching to get back into work after three months off. So, mm. so basically, I, I, I came back and I worked two days a week for DT. And then I started working two days a week for STW, the parent company, mm. as their first chief digital officer. So my job was really to help... Um, there's 80 agencies within STW, so it was really mm. to help steer the group. Future-proof. Future-proof the group, and how do we build digital into everything and bake it into everything yep. and help all the agencies become, um, and design studios in the group, become more digitally savvy and more innovative and, and evolve faster, all that sort of stuff. So the first thing was I did an audit, and um, we worked out that you know there's 3,500 people in this group, and a lot of those people just didn't have the majority just didn't have any digital exposure experience. So training became a really big focus. Right. We need to train we need to train our top people. So um, uh, so Mike, the CEO of SW and I uh, agreed that we'd bring out Hyper Island from, um, from from Stockholm and we'd run a series of, of kind of masterclasses for our top 100-odd people. So mm. this is like the, the MDs, the creative directors, the design directors of, our, of the 80 agencies in the group and to, to kind of help them Wow, think, more, think more digitally so brought Hyper Island out it, it was funny because some people thought that was the best thing ever and others were like eh, I didn't really learn. they didn't really tell I wanted right. to learn how to how to make a website and they were just talking about you know it was a really interesting experience because mm. it was really about thinking digitally and thinking about how the world's changing and what it means to society and culture and and it was the really important stuff, I thought. Mm. Uh, but I think people wanted to walk away after three days with all the answers. Right, we can just do this work better. tomorrow, you know. Yeah. But it was really about, the first step was really in, about... In three days. It was about the thinking. And when, um, when was this? So this would have been about 2012, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2011 or 12, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. So, Which is kind of perfect, but you know, where we are now, that yeah. was kind of the perfect thing to be talking about at that yeah, time, yeah. I guess. So. There were some really amazing things. I, I thought I thought this, these sessions were fantastic. And there was one where, um, and this probably sums up some of the vibe that was going on. Um, one of the guys from Hyper Island played a video. It was like a cat video. Right. And... <laughs> and um, and this whole thing's costing SDW a lot yeah. of money, right? So he, he, he was like, this is going to be big. And yeah. everyone was like, no. Yeah. So he's playing this cat video. And he's like, everyone stand up. Okay. Sit down if you think this cat video has been watched more than 10,000 ah, times, right. you know, sort of thing. And and this is back before yeah. cat videos were as big yeah. as they are now, right? Or, you know, That's like that. Flynn's fault. Though. <laughs> yeah, a lot, I mean, of the, a lot of the watches are probably me. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, so this is, this is a you know, three or four years ago, which in India is, is a long time. So yeah. if someone had seen something a million times on YouTube, it was kind of a big deal. So anyway, and I remember there were some of the guys involved, some of the senior guys um, from the from the companies and things were saying, look, we, can we move on? We don't have time for this. We really mm. want to learn about digital. We don't want to watch cat videos. We're paying a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, just go with us. You know, went through the whole thing. Anyway, it turned out this cat video had been watched 44 million times or something. And there was, you know, there was basically no one left standing up at yeah. the end. And, and again, the guys ever like, why is this relevant? You know, this is just a waste of our time, you know. Yeah. And, and it was a really interesting lesson because it was basically like, this is, and then and the, then it switched to, okay, stand up if you're one of the planners. If you're a planner in an ad agency, stand up. So can you tell us why this cat video has been watched 44 million times? It's like, what are you talking about? So, well, this is popular culture, yeah. you know, and 
an agency or design studio's job is to be the conduit between popular culture and and the and the society mm. you know and and a brand and that's your job is to glue these two things together yeah. and basically popular culture and culture has shifted and this is where it is now this is like this cat video is the center of popular culture and society right now and if you don't understand this and it's yeah. not what you're talking about in your studio or your agency all day every day then then what are you doing like this yeah. is what you're supposed to be doing like this, you're meant to be understanding this and working how to translate the the, the the phenomenon going on here for your clients you know so it was a really and that was really yeah. that probably sums up that that hyper island um, session that we had which i thought was was great it was really just about whoa the world's changed we've yeah. been asleep at the wheel mm. you can go and make a website and learn how to do html or whatever but that's not really the important part the important part is being able to think about how all of this change really affects companies and brands and yeah. everything else so so anyway um long story but that then i um we had hyper island and then we thought right we need to build our own training program so so we built our own stw academy over the next sort of 12 or 18 months and we put we put you know a thousand odd people through that um had a number of different components and i was heavily in i sort of designed that you mm. know with with some of, i picked some of the best people from within the group and there's some fantastic people you know in those companies within that group so um put together you know a mobile expert and a data expert and a mm. digital strategist and we built this um, program and then started training people so so i kind of made the transition into yeah. training before i actually left uh well stopped working full-time within dt and scw and i really enjoyed that and and i think you know then then i thought right i better work out what i'm going to do next i didn't sell i did you know it'd be crazy to sell a business and then just for after you know, starting a business when I was 23 and running it for nearly, you know, for 15 years, to then to then just to be an employee for that business sort of doesn't make any sense. You mm. know, like I need to go on and do something else. I better pull my finger out. And I thought, well, what I do next has really got to be something that I really enjoy and I really, you know, there's got to be a big why to it for me and I've got to have real conviction in it. And it's got to, it's got to connect with what I think are my strengths. And so I, there was a lot of reflection going on, you know, and I really thought, well, what I enjoyed most about my journey with DT was actually seeing people develop in DT. You know, yep. there's a lot of people there that have been there for a long time and, you know, they, they came in, you know, as a junior whatever, earning X and mm. they're still there today earning 10 times X, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> quite literally. And yeah. and so I really got a lot of satisfaction out of that. And yeah. and, and I think that was probably my the greatest my, my greatest achievement within DT was creating a great culture, you know, with Bet, my wife, and uh, who was there right at the beginning as well and created a great culture that was very supportive that really helped people develop in their careers and bring and brought out the best in people. So mm. I thought, well, you know, that's what I really like doing. So being involved in education that's really about helping people do that, you know, from a from a younger age, that would be really, really cool, you mm-hmm. know. And um and it's not completely foreign to me because I've been through this whole experience. Yep. So I was thinking about what I was going to do and, and, and Ryan who is is you know the co-founder in Republica in the group. Um, he was going through the same the same sort of thought pattern. He'd sold out of a previous business, which was an education business. Mm. So we started talking about what we're going to do next, and he was saying I want to do something else in education, and I was saying yeah, well me too, and that sounds really cool, and 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 this whole creative education space is where there's massive need. So the other side to that story is is the other motivation was really being in at DT and being really frustrated that we can't find people that yep. that really have the skills required for today you know so this is the big one for tractor in particular you know we're constantly seeing these graduates coming out that have pretty much learnt what i learnt 20 years ago yep. um at design school but the whole world has changed 
there were no cat videos 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no internet, you know. Yeah. So, you know, there, there, were, there were kind of bromide cameras and, you know, it was very, very different. Yeah. Um, and just seeing that huge, you know, you've got all these, you've now got hundreds of students coming out of design school who can design a corporate identity or a album cover, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're coming back. They're definitely coming back. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, can they do UX? Do yeah. they under, can they create and design an experience so they understand how to, you know, where, and, and can they project all of these skills five years into the future so that, when they're, whatever they're going to be designing five years from now, which who knows what that is, yep. they're prepared for those jobs. You and know? I, think, I think that's the hard thing about education at the moment. It's that whole things are moving so quickly mm. and it's almost once you've written into curriculum, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of out of date now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's like what they say, a brand ends, ends up in Target or mm. Kmart. It's like the brand's yeah. dead. But and traditional, yeah, once tradi- it makes that far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, traditional academics in universities study what the industry is doing mm. and they, they do their thesis on it and then five years later, it kind of might turn into some curriculum. And mm. it's like, well, that just can't work. Yeah, that's it, five years old now. Things yeah. are moving yeah. so fast that that just isn't going to fly. So so that's when we started thinking, you know, Ryan, Ryan and I were thinking, well, ha- our goal is to create the most agile education group that we can, which means it's got to be more deeply connected with industry than anybody else. Mm. Um, and the industry's really got to be telling us, you know, the best people in the industry, not just industry people, but the actual leaders, you know, this quarter, this is the stuff that people need to be, you know, yeah. thinking about. Mm. Um, and it's not so much about the superficial, it's not about teaching trends. It, it's just about accepting that we can't, the industry is not standing still, so we can't stand still either. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if we're updating the curriculum and moving, you know, every quarter, um, then... We're doing the job. We're doing the job. And it's yeah. also educating the students to be part of that change as well and be yeah. comfortable with being on the yeah, cusp yeah, of change. Totally. Like and, 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 you know, I've spent a lot of time, when, whenever I've spoken to students, that's what I talk about. And even last night at the Tractor Graduate Exhibition, you know, talking about that to some of the students that, you know, you don't know what you... There's all these jobs and they're being invented all the time. Yeah. And you've got these kind of core skills um, and they can be used in all these roles which don't exist yet mm. and you've got to, you've got to keep that open mind and that and that kind of curiosity i think curiosity is so important yeah. that mm. i just think if 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 people can have anything it's you know curiosity and passion and if you've got the curiosity and the passion and you just love creating and learning and doing stuff then a lot of that learning can then take care of itself yeah you know on the job so yeah so there's a question i really want to ask here with you know how DT developed, yeah, and and how how it became what it is. Do you think if you were a graduate today, whether you could still have that same journey? Yeah, I think so, but it would be a totally different journey. Yeah, because the times change. So, so you know, I've, I think what gave me a huge opportunity with DT that was quite unique, which the idea of still applies today, but the context is different. Mm. You know, I had very very unique. I had very unique skills at the time. You know, so I studied graphic design. But I was really interested in IT and tech and so forth. And I taught myself coding. Um, you know, th- again, this is 1994 when I was at, at yeah. uni. Um, and actually, I think even when I was probably, I had a Commodore 64 when I was, uh, you know, 12, 13, whatever, how, younger. And I'd be trying to teach myself how to 
write code basic and stuff on that. Yeah, yeah. So I had these two different I had these two different interests. And it's not like I was a computer geek. You know, I had friends who were. Mm. It was, I was a creative person, but I, I just thought this stuff was fascinating. Again, it was a curiosity thing. Wow, how does it all work? Imagine mm. what I'll be able to do in the future. Yeah. You know, that whole thing of next year it's going to be faster, what we'll be able to do then. So I had these two different interests. And, and my final year at design school, I taught myself lingo programming, which is what we use for Macromedia Director, and I made myself a CD-ROM. Yeah. And then my fir- one of my first jobs, you know, I learnt, I sort of taught myself HTML. Mm. There weren't even books on HTML, really. I mean, it was really, you know, and it wasn't really designed to do what people used it for, what I used it for. You know, mm. you could basically make links blue, and when people clicked on, they went purple, and there was, <laughs> you know, one font, and, you know... Yeah. And uh, if you wanted to create, so it became a challenge for me because I remember a lot of my friends at design school were saying, well, you can't even design for this. And it's like, ah, you watch me, I'll work out a way to make this work. (laughs) You know, so literally using complex tables and spaces and spacer gifs and things like that. It's like I I had this challenge to try and make a website look like it was designed by a designer. Um, But there was really, I mean, uh, there was really no one else that Mm. that was doing that. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, the, the the general consensus was that the internet is a fad and no one's really going to use it. Um, Spot on. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, quite seriously, because it, it was so frustrating then. You had this 14.4K modem. You had to be a bit of a yeah. geek just to even connect to the internet. You had to unplug yeah. your phone. And then, when, yeah, <laughs> and, and when you <laughs> yeah, got on the internet, true. there was actually nothing to do. You know, there was yeah. no websites to go to. I mean, there were these kind of bulletin boards where you could hang out and talk about stuff. Yeah. But the return on effort was was so low. You put all this effort, you know, it's like you'd spend half an hour <laughs> to get to one page that just had no information. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this is just a total waste of time. But I suppose for me, I could see, you know, I could I think one of the things I've been been good at is, again, it's from curiosity. It's like it's like whoa, you know, it's like I could see the future almost. I could see that. Mm. You know, I'd never look at something and think, well, this will be the same as this next year. It's like, this is going to be five times better than this next year, you know. So, Mm. I was really inspired by this. So, I had these unique skills. So, coming back to your question, I had these very unique skills where I could combine, you know, um, I I had my professional design training and I could actually build a website. So, I could go out and do stuff. I could create value my computer and I could go out and create a website <laughs> yeah. for people just like that. Yeah. And and it was designed and nobody else could do that. You know, you had you had IT programmers um who could create websites who who at the time, you know, their argument was well the web the web isn't about design. There shouldn't be any design. Yeah, yeah. It's been designed. So it's all it's been designed yeah. and the rules are that links are blue and they turn purple when you click on them. Yeah. You know, and it was all about hypertext and um hyperlinking you know the the view was that and it's got to be fast you know and images aren't fast you know yeah, it's really yeah. meant to be a connected encyclopedia that's what the internet is especially those um, amazing splash pages we used to do yeah so so i think you know and i come from a family of architects and i think so for me um Right. The whole left brain, right brain, engineering, creativity. It was just I was just perfectly in the right place at the right yeah. time with the right yeah. level of curiosity. So I could do something that big companies couldn't do, nobody could do, you know. So so I think those same principles still apply today, but it's something different. You mm-hmm. know, if you if you go out to okay, I can design websites and I can program them, yeah, well, hey, so can mm-hmm. so can fifty thousand other people, you know. So <laughs> so I think that's what I'd say to people is, you know, go deeper and find something that's your your superpower, you know, your yeah. your real niche, something that gives you an edge, and um, and it might seem crazy, and it might seem like there's not going to be a market for this, but there'll be someone out there who needs what you can do. If you can really do something really uniquely, and you've got skills that other people don't have, 
and particularly now that we have the internet, yeah. <laughs> people will find you and you'll be able to find clients, you know. So I think, and, and that's probably the big lesson for me is um, is just having a point of difference, you know. Mm. And I think, yeah, people can start businesses today and they can, they can build businesses over a long period of time like I did. Culture is important. Hiring the right people is important. Being passionate, you know, mm. selling yourself to your clients, being able to present well. Um, but ultimately having something, you know... Th- as an individual, like I was as a freelancer, I could move faster than yep. a company could. You know, yep. I could just work it out one night and the next day I can do something that no one else has learnt yet. And the great thing about this evolving technology is that anybody can be an expert. If something new comes out, if some new way of, some new part of the API for making a mobile app yep. is released by Apple tomorrow and I start tinkering with it, mm. 12 months from now, I know as much as anybody else in the world about that API. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, it, always, I've always said often when I'm talking to graphic designers about going and starting to learn digital yeah. so if you want to be the greatest typographer on the planet and you've got pretty much 50 years ahead of you before you're going to be able to even compete with some of these amazing yeah. incredible yeah, masters it's, it's, but when yeah. you're dealing with digital I'm like yeah. it's, it's kind of refreshing constantly yeah, and of course definitely. the more time you spend in that yeah. area the better you get but to catch up is not as far to go exactly exactly and so and DT's been through this constant evolution I mean Every year, and I, I suppose you know, I, I'm I'm like the kid who gets to sick of my toys pretty quickly as well, right? So every year at DT, it's like it's all about this this year. You know, it's all about this. Forget yeah. about let's stop doing that and let's do this now. You know, mm. and so that's kind of always been rejuvenating DT as well. Um, that, and we never knew how we were going to do it. I remember when again the um, the first iPhone came out. I bought one off someone on the internet from the states. Got it shipped out. Did you to, have it as early as you could possibly get it. Yeah, had to jailbreak it to be able to <laughs> put a SIM card in it and use it. Yeah. And I'm using it just going, this is just, well, this is crazy. Like, and yeah. how do we make apps for this? And yeah. so all of a sudden, I just committed to, we're going to make, let's make an app for a client. We're going to make an app for Honda. And we went and spoke to Honda and said, we're going to make you the first, we're going to be the first automotive company in the world to make to make an app. And, and we pretty much were. So we made this app. We worked out, you know, became an Apple developer, mm. got the developers onto this. It became like number one priority, even though we were not going to make any money out of it. Yeah. It seemed like a massive distraction. But I was just like, we're just going to, this is so cool. We're just going to do it, you know? And I think that sort of stuff is also what motivates the team as well. Yeah. So that's what people are, you know, want to be doing at work. Mm. Um, I think, I think I, what I really love about what you've just been saying is, is this idea that you were, you were looking at things that were there and saying, well, what's this going to be like in the future? And yeah. what, what could this potentially do that it can't do now? Yeah. Or what, what it might be able and to do? And look at the way that things evolve. You've got to start, you've almost got to start with something that is broken and, mm. and, and but then, you know, it's like when people bring out software and it just beta, it just doesn't work. Yeah. But they know it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just, it's not there Which yet. Which is such know. a different mindset then. Yeah. So it's just like being in, being in beta and, and, but it requires taking a bit of risk. I mean, I don't think I'm an, a, a, a risk-taking entrepreneur. You know, DT never had any debt. We never borrowed any money. Um, very conservative in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of throwing, just Dump it, jumping into things and saying, "Hey, client, we'll, we'll work this out." Yeah, and we always did. You know, we never let them down. You know, like we'll, we'll we can we'll nail this. Mm. So yeah, I think we were we were often encouraging clients to be early adopters and first movers, which I think was, and today still, I mean, that's that's it's been hugely advantageous for for clients. I remember when, uh, you know, back in when we we one of the first things we did probably six months in when it was just me and a couple of people um, we built the first website for Ericsson Mobiles right. which is like the biggest Nokia and Ericsson like the, the two main mobile phone companies back then and it was such a new thing to have a website that they had this huge press uh, they had this huge event and right. you know they got a full page article in the in the, all the papers that 
you know, Ericsson have launched a website. Yeah. You know? So, the, but that's just a good example of being a first mover. The, the, the media, the media, yeah. and the PR they got from launching their website was more valuable than what the website, what the website actually cost them to to build. Mm-hmm. You know, being being an early adopter and being a first mover, there's all these other benefits that come from that. Mm. And even if you stuff it up, by the time you get it right, your competitors are making the mistakes that you made in yeah, version one. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so you 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 know you're a, you're a first mover. So that whole sense of kind of always being in beta and being agile, all those terms that get thrown it's, around. I mean, now. this applies to you massively because you you, as far as we know, one of the most early adopters of right. in anything. your personal oh, life as well as your professional. Yeah, life, totally. Right? I like, I, but I just that's that's that curiosity and that passion. I just love anything new you know i just i just love it you know like and lots of examples whether it be and i mean the other thing is you know again i thought this iphone was so cool i rang up a stockbroker and said i want to buy shares in apple and they said ah oh, that's too hard it's american and i'm like i don't care <laughs> set up an account and they're trying to talk me out of it and tell me how it was expensive and i should buy microsoft shares instead and oh, wow. you know, all this other stuff <laughs> really and anyway i i, I and, and also i just have you heard of this company called microsoft <laughs> a lot easier <laughs> and i and i'd also um, and this was 2007, I think. And I, this is when I just sold the first bit of details, had some money mm. to invest. So, so anyway, I, I convinced, I, I bought shares in Apple when in today's money, I think they were 25 or $30 and now they're a hundred and something dollars. So a mm. uh, hundred and what are they? hundred and um, 65 in Aussie dollars. Wow. So sort of five times my money. But, but it's the same thing. I looked at this thing and thought, this is amazing. And how can this not? Yeah. And at the, at the same time, you know, the, one of the head guys at Telstra was in the paper basically saying, you know, Apple, on record, Apple should stick to making computers. No one's ever going to buy these things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, just a different, it's like I looked at this and thought I can just see, imagine what you can do with apps on a phone. That's just mm. crazy. With all these sensors you can connect to, like accelerometers and GPS and like it just like makes my head hurt thinking yeah. what the possibilities could be from that you know so yeah so what's so what's next so well i'm re- one of my things that i'm really obsessed with at the moment is is drones like, right. big time and um how many drones have you gone through now uh, i've been through a few yeah the first couple <laughs> i had to build myself and one of them went this was a few years ago one of them went awol and crashed into the roof of a house um one of my neighbors uh literally doing like 100 k's an hour and just exploded that was a bit frightening wow. <laughs> so I, was a bit, I was a bit gun shy after that but um um so one two uh three four so yeah, and i've got two i've got two pretty serious ones at the moment so that's probably number five and six all um, right but I, I literally just got a delivery today from in from dhl just before i left of some new bits um and because i'm thinking about some commercial stuff with the mm. drone so i'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you very quickly what this what this is all about so there's a bit of a shark problem up in Byron Bay and northern New South Wales at the yep. moment, mm. and um, which I'm going to be spending. I'm going to be living there next year. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk to you. We're going to say, yeah. "How are you going to go up to Byron? What are you going to do?" Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, we now, were now, now we know. Yeah, we, didn't yeah. get, we didn't even get to ask the question. I'm not, I'm not meant to be doing anything, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so, and I've got a real need, you know. So, like, and so uh, our place is pretty much on the beach, and our kids. Um, are out swimming all the time and I've just always been paranoid about sharks because I spent a lot of time kite surfing and stuff and they just freak me out right I just watch Jaws at the wrong point in my life and yeah. it's just do you hear the so anyway we went up there for school holidays earlier this year and it's like hey I can use my drone to look for sharks you know because I've got a it's got a it's got a HD live stream mm. onto my iPad and I can and you point the camera straight down it's a 4k camera you can see everything so mm. So before the kids would go swimming, like earlier this year, I'd be I'd go like a K up the beach and back and go 500 metres out and 
coast is clear, guys. You yeah. go for a swim. So, <laughs> so then I thought, well, this could all be this could be automated. You know, you could you could automate this, um, and you could use a variation of facial recognition type technology, you know, like deep <laughs> learning stuff to, to, to identify sharks. Yeah. Because when uh, fixed wing and, and helicopters look for sharks, they only find twenty percent of the sharks. Mm. Um, they've, they've done studies on it's this. Probably extremely expensive as well. Yeah, to have exactly. A so out I thought, there. Yeah. this is what drones have got to be doing, and they fly at four hundred feet. You can't really see it or hear it. So th- from my point of view, it's like I just want to be able to press a button and my drone just goes and does this for me. Yeah. And I've it got a whole, I've got a whole lot of ideas that I won't go into about what it does when it sees a shark and other things. <laughs> Lasers. <laughs> <laughs> but you can – and you can um, – so, so I've been sort of thinking about this for a while and I um, – so I've just I've, I've I've committed and bought a pretty serious drone. Right. Um, that, for, for, for those for those at home, David put his arms out quite wide. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's and it's literally the bit I'm waiting for, which is coming this week, is there's basically a little mini supercomputer that's like 3.2 gigaflops, and it's got some crazy, and it, and it, it it's part of and it's only weighs 200 grams or something, and it connects to the drone and the video go, stream goes into that. And it can process video in real time. Um, so while the drone's flying on the on the drone, it can process 4K uh, yeah. video. And I've been talking to a guy in San Francisco who's a who's a deep learning expert. In so I'm sort of you know it's one of those things. I'm sort of like I don't really want to do this as a commercial thing, but I kind of do. <laughs> But I, anyway, and there's a few other people doing similar things, which I just found out about this week because it was something on the news about it, which annoyed me. But um, anyway, that's the way it goes. So, but the thing that just turned up today is this guidance system, right? So basically, it connects all the way around the bottom of the drone, and there's cameras. I think there's two on each side in the bottom. So there's whatever that is, um, ten cameras, and. and infrared and sonar and it basically creates a three-dimensional model of what's around the drone in real time and processes it and so you can't crash it you know you can right if you look it up it's called um this is a dji drone it's called the matrice is the drone and it's called guidance if you look it up on youtube you'll see guys flying them in car parks full speed and they'll just stop it like a pylon and like go around it like it's just just incredible so so all this technologies and and these things have been around for a few years so i just find that sort of stuff incredible um You know, and it's becoming so simple and miniaturized now. And it's all just software. The software development kits available for these things, so that yeah. you can you can create applications for them um, <laughs> and make them do whatever you want to do. But and it, it's a little. It reminds me of the iPhone, where you've got all these different sensors. So now yeah. you've got you've got a drone. It's got a supercomputer. It's got a camera. You can put infrared cameras on them. Um, it's got guidance. You can have multiple batteries. It'll automatically come back and land where it took off when the battery goes flat. Mm. You know, um, and it can. I think the one I've just board has got a five kilometer range where it can transmit hd video like it's just it's crazy that you can just go and buy this yeah, thing that for, is mental. for under ten thousand bucks you know um, so, where, so where does it all lead i mean does it lead to our skies just full of drones and well i think you know the re- the big issue around this will all be regulation and 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 the legal side of it which mm. would be you know and how do governments keep up with all this disruption in terms of um, they, regulating they it as well you know so but this is all coming out of a, a Chinese company that's developing all of this. I've got the jump on, on. It's a one thing where Silicon Valley's not there. Yeah. You know they're, right. you know they're they're not there, and this Chinese company DJI is just all over it. A Phantom, which is the the common drone that you can just go and buy for a thousand bucks now. It's got ninety percent of what my drone's got right. built into it because wow. they they bring this stuff out for hobbyists and then they take they. They let the they let people like me beta test it for you, then they build it into the thousand dollar one for everybody else. So yeah. you know, this will I, I could almost bet that 
you know, the the Phantom Four next year that'll come out will have this guidance system built into it, so you wow. can't crash it. So it's you know it's just that's evolving now at this incredible rate. Um, and this just again the mind boggles what you can do with these things. Again, I don't really know what a commercial. You know, at the moment, I'm really fired up by this, but I, I can't. You know, it's not like mm. I'm thinking about how much money you can make from it. It's just like, wow, what can you do with it? Mm. Um, they've just released a really big one that for crop for crop dusting just came out wow. this week. You know, so right. so big drone that takes you can put you know however many kilos of liquid in it, and you just press a button, and it will go out and go in an automatic pattern using these sensors to go as close as it can to the crops, and then come back and land, change the battery. It'll automatically pick up the pattern where it left off yeah you know because again it's all it's all software development and just now, in, so. you know talking about that recognition they'll be able to see whether there's parts of the crop that need yeah. more and yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. Be, wow. there's people developing applications now for parking where the drone can fly along and it can identify cars and come back an hour later and see what you know and it can recognize right. number plates and issue tickets automatically <laughs> and <I> like <laughs> that's it. a scary time <laughs> you know so i think so all of the all of the, but it's like everything right the change comes change so the and i talk about this a lot with tractor you know that what's cha- what's creating all this change is in, is computing power mm-hmm. and and this whole moore's law thing where computer computer chips get more powerful they mm-hmm. double in power every 18 months and what it means is that where a computer could once draw a line you know now it can render something in 3D. Now yep. it can actually do it in at 60 frames a second. Now you can plug in a GPS to it and it can do something else. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, now it's got speakers. and So as the computer processing power gets more powerful, it's just human creativity to go, well, now what can we do with it? Yeah, you know? yeah. So if you think forward, this, you know, Ray Kurzweil, who's a futurist, who says that... Um, I think he also said recently that the, the human that will live to a 1,000 has already been born. Wow. Because the way that medical... Um, yeah technology is advancing somebody is alive today that will that will live to be a thousand you know that's possible mm. which is crazy but you know he's saying that that you know i think it's only five years from now that a thousand dollar computer will be more powerful than the human brain mm. which is a long way from a calculator you know oh yeah absolutely 20 years ago right so mm. 20 years in human history is not not long so as again as this computer and this is what we, you talk about driverless cars before that's yeah. something you're interested in and that's what's you know it's, it's it's the processing power that's enabling. It just becomes the sky's the limit. Mm. What, what do we want to do? Do we want to make planes fly themselves? Do we want to? And, and, the, and know, this is it. I mean, like you know, if if the drones go so much faster um, in their development than the driverless cars, then we won't even have driverless cars. We'll have drones that carry us around and and do that sort of stuff. So driverless it's just drones. Yeah, yeah. Drones. And then and then you've got like artificial intelligence. Which you know that's yeah. that's going to change everything. We won't again. need to go to work because there won't be any jobs. Well, yeah. <laughs> so basically. my big thing on this is that it's it's creative people that have come up with these yeah. ideas mm. and and or, you or, might or work out how to use. Yeah, and you might you might be great at cutting code and and solving problems. Like if someone says we want the code to do this, you might be good at actually writing the code to make it do that. Mm. But that's not the high value part of it. The high value part of it is actually coming up with the idea and knowing enough about the technology to know what's possible mm. and how it could loosely be constructed. And and that's why there's just such huge opportunity for creative people that understand technology as well. Mm. You know, there's just be there'll be they talk about jobs being replaced by robots. Well, you know, you want to be a robot designer, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and all of those skills drawing as a kid yep. and just think and ob- observing things and and thinking about space and and shape and form and all the, all the stuff that graphic designers and architects or whoever industrial designers can do you know they're that i just think those skills are going to become mm. 
more valuable over time, not less. You know, like, and 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 the way that all this stuff is communicated to people in the environment and everything as well. So, I think um, being a designer is probably the most future-proof job that there is, as long as you keep upgrading keep your that, yeah. your your context of how yeah. you're going to use your creativity. Yeah. That actually takes us to probably towards the end of the show. Perfect. That was well. What a, what a place to <laughs> <laughs> what a place to end it. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks, David. So that was amazing. Yeah, it was great. So something we um, we do at the end of the show is just tell people where they can find us if they want to find out more about us. So so Twitter Leechworth and David, where would you? Yeah, point I'm sort of a bit I'm days. a bit hidden these days. I mean, I am on Twitter, just David Trewen. I don't really use Twitter much, but someone mm. can send me a direct message if they want to. Um, you have some great drone. Um, what do we do? On Vimeo, I think. Vimeo, yeah. yeah. Look, look me up on Vimeo and you can see some of my drone footage. I've got some surfing That's footage up there because I'm awesome. sort of into that. that that'll, actually, that'll be my little creative outlet next year as well mm-hmm. Yeah, is um, is doing a bit of you know drone photography. I think I think when I first met you, you showed me some and I was just like, wow, it's just it's so clear and just, the yeah, very cool. So Definitely got, worth checking I've out. I've got another drone now. It's got interchangeable lenses. It's about to get crazy. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so um, yeah, Vimeo, obviously, um, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn. Cool. And look for me at you know DT and, and Tractor. Great. Great. We'll put um, we'll put some links to that in the show notes, and you can find me on everything at Flynn Tracy, and um, you can follow the show at AUSDesignRadio.simplecast.fm, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at AUSDesignRadio. Until next time, thanks everyone. Thanks guys. Thank thanks. you. It was really fun.